Appreciate the prayer that just went forward. And I'd like to turn your attentions this morning to the first chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, writing this letter, uh, the Roman letter, starts off in the 14th verse, verse 14. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He says in that 16th verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If that person is already in a state of believing and they believe the gospel, it doesn't make them a child of God. It gives evidences that they are a child of God. So when he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, it doesn't mean, he's not saying it is the power of God in order to have salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto those that are saved. The gospel uh, does have a, and that's what I want to speak on this morning, Lord willing, is the power of the gospel. Uh, you remember the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and about verse 18, he said, The preaching of the cross is to them which perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, you notice, that are saved, not going to get saved by the gospel. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are, are saved, it is the power of God. So we see that God gives power through the gospel. When he says it's the power of God, it is showing forth where the power of the gospel comes from. The power of the gospel comes from God. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying right here. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God. What is the power of God? The gospel of Christ. For it is, it is, it, it, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. And he says to the Jew first because the word was given to the Jews first. And then it was given to the Gentiles. So he says, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. And also to the Greek or to the Gentiles. For therein, therein what? Therein the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And I believe that faith to faith is not not that faith that I have in the new birth to your faith that you have in the new birth. I don't believe that's the faith to faith. I believe the faith to faith, the first faith is that faith once delivered uh, to the saints. 
that Jude talked about, that we're to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That faith is this. It's, it's God's Word. It's, it's what God's Word has to say. But it is transmitted to your faith that you have in the new birth. And so that it finds, God's Word finds a lodging place in your heart. And you can in your heart, your heart agrees with the gospel. The heart that has been born again by the Spirit of God is in agreement with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we find it, we find a rejoicing and a great comfort in other things that we'll look at uh, through the gospel. So the gospel has a great power. But there are some powers that the gospel doesn't have. And this is what I want to make sure that we understand before we go into the power of the gospel. First of all, the gospel does not have regenerating power. It, the gospel has power. It's the power of God unto the saved. But the gospel does not have regenerating power. It does not have the power to born you again. A lot of people think you have, we have to preach this word. We have to preach this gospel in order to have people saved uh, from, uh, from hell to heaven. In order to have people accept Jesus Christ into their heart. But oh, I want to tell you, when we, take, when we take that theology, we are giving more power to God's word than what it is. Only God has the power to regenerate. And God doesn't need a preacher, nor does he need his word. No, that is the Bible. God doesn't need those things in order to regenerate one from a state of death to a life in Christ. The Lord is powerful in doing that. You remember he said over in John 5 and 25, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice. Not the word of the Son of God. Not the words of the Son of God. Verily, verily, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And this is the result. And they that hear shall live. You see, there's no ifs, ands, or buts in that. There's no well, if you preach the gospel and if they'll hear it and if they'll receive me, if, 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 then maybe they're a child of God. The Lord leaves out all the ifs because the Lord leads out, leaves out man and the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is, uh, is you know, he said over in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, comma, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power it took for God to raise Christ up from that borrowed tomb is the same power it took, dear child of God, in order to quicken you again from a, from a dead state to a life in Christ. And we have no power over that. The gospel certainly does not have that power that many say, that many might say it has. It doesn't have resurrecting power either. If it had power to give life, it's also going to have to, if, if the Lord needs man in order for a man to, uh, uh, to be born again, he's going to need a preacher there at the resurrection day in order to bring him up out of the grave. Uh, the gospel has power, but it does not have resurrecting power. It is unable uh, to resurrect you from, uh, uh, or bring you, uh, bring you uh, from a state of death to a life, uh, literally speaking, in the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 
we can see He says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 14, And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his what? By his own power. Not the power of the gospel, but by his own power. He'll speak the word like he did when he went to Lazarus' tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. There didn't have to be a there didn't have to be a preaching going on. Nobody was there doing any kind of missionary work. The Lord just simply said, "Lazarus, come forth." And the voice of God lifted Lazarus up from that tomb. And the voice of God is going to come back one day, and it's going to be that the last trump that He says in the fifteenth chapter of First Corinthians, "For the last trump shall sound, and then we that are dead shall be lifted up together." Uh, with with them that are alive and will and will forever be with the Lord, but it will be because of what the Lord has done. Uh, going back to John five and twenty five, if if you look at John five and twenty twenty eight, he says over there in John five and twenty eight, he says, "Marvel not that I said unto thee." The, uh, he says, uh, he says, "Marvel not at this." Don't, you don't have to marvel that, that, that they're going to hear my voice and they're going to come from and, and they're going to be given a spiritual life in Christ. He says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. The same voice that brought you to a life in Christ is going to be the same voice that's going to bring these bodies up out of the grave on resurrection day. And shall come forth after they've heard his voice, and they shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So we see there that the gospel has power, but it does not have it does not have regenerating power. It does not have the power of resurrecting these bodies up from the grave. It also doesn't have preserving power. We are kept, he said over in, in the first chapter of first Peter. Uh, the Apostle Peter says, who are kept by the power of God. We are kept by the power of God. We're not kept by the gospel. A lot of people say, well, you just gotta, you gotta continue on living a, 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 um, a, a life uh, without sin and you got to get better and do better and you know you got to you got to persevere in this life if you want to be a child of God and and if you don't persevere it just shows that you're a false uh, you're a false uh, uh, you're you're a false professor of that of that theology and and never were going to be a child of God to begin with but we see here that the that uh, God's word it encourages us in how we're to live certainly and we ought to live in a godly way in this life, in a way that is pleasing to God, and in a way that God gets all the honor and all the glory. When they, when somebody sees you, that they can say, you know, they called them Christians first at Antioch. 
You know, I, you know, I, I, I know people in my life that I call them a Christian because I see a, I see a Christ-like value that they have, a Christ-like attitude that they have. But I want to tell you, and that's very important that we adopt that, that we try to strive for that in this life, that we work in this life to live a life of glorifying to God. But I want to tell you, it's not necessary that, to say that you will do it if you're a child of God because we know that there are children of God that have slipped and went astray and, and, went, to the, and went to the right or to the left and hasn't taken away the preserving power of God. There are a lot of uh, uh, God-fearing people around this world that have never even saw, seen a Bible, never even heard the gospel, and that's not going to take away from God's preserving work for them. They are preserved, they are kept by the power of God, not the power of the gospel, but by the power of God, and heaven will be their home. And I find great comfort in knowing that, and so there's comfort there uh, that, I can, that I can get from, from the gospel. The power that we talk about in the gospel is not just standing up and is not it's not a preacher just standing up and and, and hollering all the time. Okay, so that's <laughs> I find that kind of funny. Um, but, but that is not the louder that you preach is not going to invoke the spirit of God uh, within you. I, I like to get excited about the gospel. I, I like to get excited and I like to see people. I like to hear other preachers that get excited. And I like to see church members that uh, are, that get excited over our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I have also been in the presence of those that felt like the loud, if they got loud enough that it was going to bring the Spirit of God. And it, and, and it doesn't work. That, that's, that's not the power of God. Neither, uh, neither is it um, uh, any kind of the power of God is not through some emotional stirring. Uh, it, it, you know, we as a preacher and as a congregation, from time to time, we get emotional over the gospel and the things that and the things that we read and the things that we see. But it's not the power of the gospel is not just somebody standing up and and trying to uh, persuade you through through tears and things like that. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that can't be genuine. It, there are times that it is very genuine. There are times that people raise their voice. And it's very genuine why they, when they do that. They're, they're, they're showing forth the excitement that they have. But, but we can't do anything. Those are not necessarily the power of God. It's not things that we can do to bring forth the power of God. Because it's of God. God brings that. God gives us liberty. Gives a preacher liberty uh, for his calling. He gives him liberty in the pulpit. And I've been places where I didn't have that liberty. I've been places among the old Baptists where you get up and you just, the liberty just wasn't there. I'm, I, that's all I can tell you. I'm not, it, it just wasn't there. But then you go to other churches and it's just like preaching in your home church. You go to other churches and you feel, you feel the liberty of God. And there's power in the gospel. And that power is because it's from God. It's not just man standing up and telling you what he thinks or what he believes. It's man being used as an instrument of God to preach a powerful message about the goodness of God or about how we are to live in this life to encourage us. It, 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 there, there's the elements of the gospel. Number one, one I want to look at three elements of the gospel this morning. 
And, and then we'll look at some other things. Uh, one of it is, and I've already alluded to it, is the gospel comforts us. That's an element of the gospel. And so, and it's not just me giving you the comfort, but it's God's word. You understand? It's the preaching of God's word that gives us the comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto them and cry unto them that their warfare is accomplished for they have received of the Lord's hand double for all their iniquities. What's the, what's the message of the gospel? Isaiah 40 and verse 1 says, It's a comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. So we find that there's great comfort in the gospel. In Isaiah chapter 49 we find other comforting thoughts and other things that we can that we can find uh, find great comfort in. He says in in, Psalm, in Isaiah forty nine and verse um, fifteen, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. They may, and we hear such terrible stories about that, don't we? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. This is God speaking. They may forget. He says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. Thy walls are continually before me. I will not forget you. They may, but I have graven your, I have you, you graven in the palms of my hand. And I suggest this morning that the, the graving tool were two nails that graved uh, you into Christ there on Calvary's cross. So we see that there's a, we can find a, a great comfort in the gospel. You remember uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I want to tell you, there's a month's worth of Rejoicing. There's a month, there's a lifetime worth of comfort found just in those verses to know that He came to where we were at, that He chose us. You see, that's the comfort of the gospel. The comfort of the gospel, my friends, comforts us and tells us that He's done the work and we can just rejoice in the work. Uh, and we don't have to question from time to time if our deeds or our actions have, 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 have driven us away from God, eternally speaking. Now we can be driven away here in this life uh, as far as in fellowship, but as far as relationship, you cannot drive yourself away from your heavenly Father. And I, I find comfort in that. That doesn't make me want to go live an ungodly life, but it does comfort me to know that God's mercy and grace has chosen me from before the foundation of the world. And He has loved me with an everlasting love. And I'm thankful to know that I'm thankful to rejoice in that comfort. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, we find we find comfort for those that are bereaved, those that are suffering the loss of loved ones. He says in 1 
Thessalonians chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have not. He didn't say don't sorrow. He didn't say there was. He said sorrow not as others which have no hope. There's a sorrowing when we lose a loved one. But we know, but we know that with the, the hope that we have of where our loved one is gone. And just like David said when he lost his child with Bathsheba, he says, he won't come to me, but I'll go to him. <laughs> David said that. So David knew that it would just be amount of time, um, a, a amount of time before he would be joined back up with him. But I would not to have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even after, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died again, uh, that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe this. You see, we find comfort in believing the gospel. Listen to what he says. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which fell asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, whether we believe that, brothers and sisters, or whether we don't believe that is not going to change the Lord coming back. <laughs> He's saying if we believe this though, and he's going to tell us what will happen if we believe this. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, not the preacher, not the gospel, not, some, not somebody else. He says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead and Christ shall rise first. Then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Aren't you, do you believe that this morning? That the Lord's coming back and there's a day coming that we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever, both soul, body, and spirit. Now when we, when we die, we're going to go home to be with the Lord, our soul and spirit. But these old bodies are going to lay there in that grave until resurrection day. And when the Lord comes back, those bodies are going to be lifted up and He's going to bring all those back from heaven. And they're going to be joined up with those perfect bodies now. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That gives me comfort even when I lose a loved one. And listen to what He says in this last verse. You remember we said, for if we believe we have hope, and so on. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's the comfort we get if we believe. There's comfort that we can find in the gospel. And I thank God for that, for that comfort. The gospel is also, another element of the gospel is not only does it bring comfort, but the gospel is to a specific people. The gospel is not for everybody. Now, I'm not just talking about it's just for, uh, for the old battle. It's for a specific people uh, uh, that's, that's wider and broader than just the old Baptists. Remember what the angel of the Lord told Joseph, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and thou shalt have a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Who, who's the Bible for? His people. My sheep, in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father which gave them me 
is greater than all, and, and no man shall pluck them out of my father's hand. I got that a little mixed up there. But anyhow, he says, my sheep, which are called by my name, they're, they're his sheep. I'm, I'm getting that confused with uh, another section of, of, of um, an, another place. Um, let me, in John 10 and 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me all, is greater than gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. I and my Father, it says in that thirtieth verse, I and my Father are one. The gospel is to a specific people, is to the child of God. Again, as we've already said earlier, it's not to the dead alien sinner. It, the gospel is to those that are already saved, right? Those that are already saved eternally. That, that is who the gospel is written for. The gospel is a love letter. It's like a love letter from, from, from the husband to the bride. And we can sit down and we can read Christ's love letter to the church. The love letter that he has written to us. The, the instructions that he has given us and how we're to live and how we're to uh, conduct ourselves in this life. And, and also all the comfort that he gives us and the rejoicing uh, that we receive in it. And lets us know that, uh, that it's to a specific people. Another element about, the, about God's word, about the, about the gospel, is not only does it comfort us, not only is it for a specific people, but it also speaks of a finished work. The gospel doesn't tell us what's going to be done as far as eternal salvation. The gospel tells us what has been done and that it has been finished. That when the Lord sat there on the cross before He bowed His head and gave up the ghost, but He said, it is finished. So we preach a gospel. We preach a completed work. Not a work where uh, God is going to uh, come so far and you sinner friend have to have to meet him halfway in order in order to make this transaction work out your your part is just as important as as God's part well I want to tell you uh, how you spell that b-o-l-o-g-n-a I'm not even sure how you spell baloney but that's what it is it, uh, I, I should pick a word I know how to spell okay all right uh, so in other words, I want to tell you, when the Lord finished the work, He completed the work full and complete. And we can, and we, we can rejoice in that. We can find comfort in that. We can see a past tense of His work uh, that He has done for us. Uh, when we read, when we go to so many places in the Bible and we look at those places, uh, we, well, we were talking about Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, he tells us there, we'll go on just a little bit further from where we were at a while ago. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, he tells us, In whom to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And listen to this. This declares a finished work. Because it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, According to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption. When? Through his blood. 
If the Lord died on the cross, then certainly He did die on the cross. We have redemption through that blood. The work has been completed. The work has been done. And we can rejoice in that. In Hebrews chapter 1 and and verse 3, the latter part of that verse, he says he uh, purged our sins. That he purged, past tense, he purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of God. When that purge there, what he's talking about is it is a past tense. The work has already been done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says that all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry of reconciliation that we have. But I want you to see the past tense that we have here. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. We have been reconciled. We have been purged of our sins. We have been forgiven, he says in the first chapter of Ephesians. And we can rejoice in a finished work that that work was done and complete on Calvary's cross. And Jesus Christ, uh, if you're his, if you're one of his sheep, he died for every last sin of yours. And paid the price in full on Calvary's cross. And so today, what we can do in that is we can rejoice in the comfort that the gospel brings us. We can rejoice uh, that it's to a specific people. And we can rejoice that it speaks of the finished work. The gospel, as I said earlier, saves the saved. That's what the gospel's for. The apostle Paul said in the fourth chapter of Timothy, first Timothy, take heed unto thyself, take heed unto thyself and to thy doc- and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them which hear thee. That was Paul telling Timothy to take heed to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this for taking heed of the doctrine and continuing in them. He said, "By for doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see, so there is a salvation in the gospel. A salvation from an ungodly life. A salvation uh, from worries and things. When, when things happen, we know that we can lay them at the foot of Jesus. We know that we can go to his throne the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help in time of need. And so we can, we can do these things. And, uh, and that's what the gospel gives us. It instructs us. It encourages us. It saves us from all those things. It delivers us. You remember the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 2. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul wasn't worried about their eternal glory. He wanted them to have a salvation now. He said, that's why I endure all things. He's not enduring all things for their eternal glory. They've already got eternal glory. He said, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also have a salvation which is in Christ Jesus, obtain that salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So there is a salvation 
There is a deliverance now in this life that we can be delivered from and we can rejoice in it. And one of those, uh, and, and so when we look at that, let's look at some of the things that the gospel saves us from. And the very first one that we just mentioned, it saves us from ignorance. You remember over in Romans chapter 10? In Romans chapter 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The Apostle Paul's praying for this Israel here that they might be saved. For I bear them record. Listen to what verse number 2 says. It'll tell you, it's going to clearly show you what salvation he's talking about. He goes here and say, for I, have, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, just like the power of the gospel. The power of it is the power of God. Having a zeal of God shows us where they got their zeal from. They got their zeal from God in the new birth. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They don't have the knowledge of it. You know what the gospel gives us? The gospel gives us the knowledge of how we are to serve the Lord. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They were going about submitting to their own righteousness instead of uh, instead of laying their uh, any righteousness they had being the imputed righteousness of Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So we see that it saves us. Uh, it, the gospel can save us from ignorance. And you know, we need to read God's word and it's good to read God's Word, but we also need to study God's Word. And the more that we read and then the more that we study, the more that we become acquainted with God's Word and we're not ignorant of those things that, that we could be ignorant of. And, and, and you remember Hymenaeus and Philetus whose faith was overthrown because they had heard uh, from Hymenaeus and Philetus, they had heard that the resurrection had passed already and overthrew their faith. You remember what you remember what it says next? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. They thought they had passed, they thought they had missed out on the resurrection. Boy, that would be a terrible feeling, wouldn't it? To, to really believe, to have your faith uh, thrown and 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 in such a way that you felt like you just missed out you were just late for the party so to speak or whatever it was you weren't there and you, you missed the resurrection you see but we got we got we can be comforted can't we and we can be comforted through the gospel about the resurrection because it's in the gospel that we are saved from the ignorance of the resurrection we have a knowledge of the resurrection and that, and that the resurrection is coming it hasn't it hasn't happened yet. The, the resurrection is coming. So we can find comfort from that. It also has, the, the gospel also uh, gives us a convicting, it has a convicting power. It can save us in, in our convictions. Uh, <clears throat> six times in Psalms 119, the longest, the largest Psalms, uh, 
of, of the Psalms. Uh, six times uh, the apostle says, quicken me according to thy word. Now, when David said, quicken me according to thy word, he didn't mean quicken me as in Ephesians 2 and, 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 and cha second chapter of Ephesians. We're not talking about quickening from a, from a, from a dead alien sinner to a, to a child of God in the new birth. When he said to quicken me according to thy word, he's saying make me alive again. Make me alive according in agreement to your word to quicken me. And sometimes we need that in our lives, don't we? We need a quickening in our lives. We need, we need that. We need that uh, from time to time when things, when that, when everything begins to just seem like it's getting settled out. We need to be stirred back up, and we need to rejoice. We we need that repentance. We need that opportunity uh, to be quickened uh, according to the Word of God and rejoicing again in the Word of God. And what a great uh, blessing that is when when we come to that point. And you remember they were brought Paul's. First letter to the Corinthians uh, convicted them. And Paul tells us in the seventh chapter of 2 Corinthians that they repented. And through a, you remember, through a godly sorrow, they had godly sorrow and they repented of, their, uh, of the things that they were doing wrong. <clears throat> you see, that saved them. That letter, that letter is part of the gospel, by the way. It's 1 Corinthians. And that saved them from their error. They saw the error of their way through the gospel of what was being preached or that letter that was written unto them, which we, which we read now. And they were convicted over it. So it was convicting power. Apostle Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he said, "You have, with your wicked hands, you have crucified the Lord of glory. You remember they were pricked. It says that they were pricked in the heart and said, men and brethren, what, must we, what shall we do? And that was conviction, convicting power. And what did they do? They came forward and they joined the church that day. Some 3,000 souls, it says, joined, joined, were baptized that day into the church. A convicting power. The gospel does that. Sometimes you'll hear a preacher preaching and he's, he's preaching right to you just like he knows your every thought. Just like he knows your every thought. And he doesn't know your first thought. But God does. And when that message convicts us, it's the Lord, it's the gospel that's giving us that conviction in our hearts. <clears throat> and we need to take heed to that and be thankful for that convicting power. Be thankful if it causes us to have godly sorrow. Be thankful if it causes us to repent. Uh, and, and, and those things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessed thing. It also saves us from the influence of this world. The gospel does. You remember in the 12th chapter of Romans, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and that you be and that, you not, and that you be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So how do we, how do we, how do we not conform ourselves to the world and to, going, to transforming ourselves? It's through the gospel. It's through God's word, certainly, and it is through prayer. 
It's through communicating with God. We talk to God through prayer. God talks to us through His Word. God's talking to us when we read God's Word. It's God talking with us. So we need that open line. We need that communication. And He can save us. You remember the Apostle the apostle Peter said on that day of Pentecost in 2nd Acts, he said, save thyselves from this untoward generation. You see, there was, was save yourselves from the influence, from the influencing powers of this world. The apostle Peter was saying, save yourselves from that. In that sense, we can, we are our Savior. In that sense. That we can save ourselves. And how do we save ourselves from this untoward generation? The same way that they saved themselves by joining up with the church, by following the Lord in gospel obedience. You save yourselves from the influencing power of this world that will do nothing but drag you down, will do nothing but cause you to lose your faith and lose your hope. It's not going to destroy the. Uh, the persevering power of God and what He has done for you eternally, but you can be, you can lose everything in this life by the influencing power of this world. And it also gives us a power, uh, the power, uh, it saves us um, and can build us up, can build us up in, 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 in the, encourage us, build us up. In other words, uh, make us more mature. Make us more perfect. When the Bible says, be ye perfect, he's talking about in, 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 in spiritual maturity. That's what he's talking about. We're, and we're not talking about being perfect um, without sin, but to be grown up, so to speak. Um, and he says over in, in Acts chapter 20, we'll go to Acts chapter 20. Uh, chapter 20 and, and uh, verse 32 Acts chapter 20 verse 32 says and now brethren well let me just start off on 20 at 28 take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood for this, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. I'm talking about a heretic. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Verse 32 is what we want to get to. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace. We're talking about the gospel. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. An inheritance, I believe he's talking about in those that are sanctified. 
there. I believe he's talking about in the church. I believe we are sanctified. We are set apart in the church from the rest of the world. And thank God for that, that we are not the world. You know, the church is in the world, but the world shouldn't doesn't need to be in the church. You know, I've told you that before. I used to do a lot of canoeing, and it was fun. it was great fun as long as you were on top of the water with a canoe. You let that canoe get full of water, it's nothing but a log. I mean, you're not going to do anything until you drag it up upon uh, up, up, up on shore somewhere. Uh, so we want the church to be in the world. But we don't want the world to be into the in the church. And so it gives us the power to build up one another, to give us love for one another, to encourage one another. He says, uh, For I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation <coughs> to the Jews first <coughs> and also to the Greek. It comforts us. It's for a specific people. It speaks of a finished work. It saves us from ignorance. It saves us uh, from uh, from uh, uh, being unimpenitent. It gives us a repentance, a convicting of our sins. It saves us from the influence of this world, and it, and it, and it builds us up in this life. So the gospel has power, and it's the power that God puts into it. God bless you. I appreciate the time this morning.